this morning is an incredible morning. And um, now we've been speaking of the cross for the last three weeks now. And, and, the, and our series that we have built around the cross is called More Than Meets the Eye. Because when we look at the cross, there's actually so much more to see. This morning, we're not looking at the cross. Because the cross is empty. This morning, we're looking at the tomb. But the tomb is also empty. And so, there's, there's again, there's more than meets the eye when you consider that the, that the tomb is also empty. And so, we want to... I want to consider the value of the tomb, of the empty tomb today with you. I think it's a very sobering idea to consider the empty tomb and what it really means. And maybe we've again become so used to talking about Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday that we lose the value of what it really means. There's more than meets the eye when you consider that the tomb is empty. And so I want to ask two more questions and to, to just throw out to you right now as we go into this. The first question is, what is your belief about the tomb that Jesus was buried in? What is your belief? Was he raised to walk out of it or, or don't you believe that? So it's, it's something that you've got to think about and understand that there's incredible importance to your answer. It's not just a, I feel like I'm sure that I've always believed that, but do you really? The second question I want to ask is, and should you believe in his physical resurrection coming out of the tomb? Then what effect does this have? This belief that you have, that he was raised. What effect does that have or should have on the way you live your life today? So again, most of us would say, yeah, of course I believe that. What kind of a question is that? Or maybe some of you would say here this morning, I don't actually know what I believe about that. By the way, which is not a strange phenomenon. They say one in every four supposed Christians in the States. Again, we appreciate them doing all these statistics and surveys. They say one in every four wonders if they really believe that he did rise from the dead. So this morning, what is your belief? And if you have a belief that he did walk out of that tomb and left it empty, what effect does that belief have on your life today? Because my friend, it should have an effect on our lives. Not just, oh, I believe it. But the application of that is incredibly important. And if you do believe in his bodily resurrection, what proof do you use for that? Do you just, well, I believe it, or, or here's the proof. This is how I live. This is how I go about doing my life. It's based on the fact that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. So my strategy this morning would simply be to provide you with information from the Bible about his resurrection and then call on you and me to see how our lives as believers 
has been affected by this, by this truth that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. So let me go to one of the beautiful stories about this. We have four books in the Bible that, that specifically give us the narrative of his resurrection. And, and it's easy to find these stories, and most of them it's the last chapter of that particular book. But in John it's not, it's the second last one. So go with me to John chapter 20, would you? As we just look at the narrative, the story around this empty tomb as described by, by John. We're going to read from verse 1 in John chapter 20. It says, and I'm going to read and then stop as we go along. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So Mary goes, and it says she ran. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples. And she tells them, listen, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So the expectation was, and, and it's quite obvious, that Mary, with those that were with her, goes to the tomb, Expecting what? Not an empty tomb. They were expecting a body to be found there. Correct? They had no idea that this was going to be empty. We see clearly that, that Jesus was buried. You, you read the story about the fact that, that there were some people, Joseph of Arimathea in John 19, the chapter just before this in verse 38, it says that there's a man called Joseph that, that asked Pilate if he could take the body from the cross and go and bury it. And so he has another man called Nicodemus. And by the way, have you ever read this? But, but Nicodemus took 75 pounds, it's about 34 kilograms of, of mixture of, of ointment, myrrh and aloe, to, to smear on the body and then wrap it up, and then put it into the tomb. 75 pounds, that's 34 kilograms of stuff that they smeared on it. You thought that your mom put a lot of Vaseline on you when you were little, hey? Ah, this is no joke. <laughs> this is seriously, you know, looking out for what is important. And, and so they did that. So the story clearly indicates that, that none of the, the people anticipated that he would Rise from dead. I mean, seriously, you don't go spend that much money on somebody that's just going to be there for a couple of hours. Okay? 34 kilograms of it. Nobody anticipated this. Really saying that they had thought that this is the end. That's it. Jesus had done what he said he was going to do and died on the cross, and surely they remember some other stuff, but they thought that the end had come. There's clearly no expectation of a resurrection, although Jesus had prepared them for this. He had told them, I'm going to do this. But they didn't believe him. They didn't. And, and by the way, just before you thought that, you know, we would have done something different, <laughs> none of us would have probably thought any different either. If I was the one that walked up to an empty tomb, I would have, no, something's gone wrong here. This is not the way that these things happen. Resurrection 
was not a common thing. People understood the term, but they didn't understand the reality of it. So you and I, we talk about resurrections. Like, have you seen it before? Anyone? <laughs> and so when somebody comes and tells you, listen, the resurrection is going to happen, you're like, yeah, sure. And so this is what took place here. And so for me, the question I ask myself is, is it possible that I also live with such a mind that, that God says something, but the evidence about what he has said is different? It's clearly the opposite. And, and I live within the natural disagreement to what God had said. God said, I will, I will after three days, I will rise again. I come there, well, I've experienced this, and I'm like, no way is that going to happen. God says to me, I will be with you. And I'm like, yeah, sure. God says, don't worry. Because I've got your life in the palm of my hand. You're like, yeah, sure. Do I agree or do I disagree with what God has said? This is one example. Each one of you are living in the reality, and me too, of what God has said to us about who he is and what he will do. Are we in agreement with that? Or do we live in a disagreement? We're like, sure, no ways. What things in, in your life and in my life currently appear to be completely dead, just like Jesus was, and, and although God says through Scripture that it will be brought to life again, you find it very difficult to believe. You go to the tomb and you expect to be confronted with a dead body in front of you. You consider your future, you consider your career, you consider your family, you consider just your, your future that that is so completely marred by realities, and you think, oh, there's dead there, there's deadness there, there's no life there. But God said this in his word, and, and you read these things, but you, you're sure. Some of you are single, and you think, I look around, and I see people married, and I see people happily married, and I see people with children, and I'm like, I don't know if that'll ever happen to me. That's kind of like a tomb that's just a dead body in it. And you don't, can't imagine that, that, that somehow God will weave and navigate your way towards a partner that is godly, that will bring joy to your life, you to hers or he to his. You just can't imagine these things. You can't imagine a future. And you perhaps at school and you think, well, I don't know whether I'm doing all these studies for no use at all because in Zimbabwe, I don't know if I have a future. And you think of so many things. You think of your business and you wonder, how will this ever mean something that my business can produce something for my family? And you, you consider it to be a, a tomb with a dead body in it. And God wants us to be challenged to recognize that he is able to resurrect things. I don't know what is in your life currently dead, my friend. That you've just... Stone is... Covering that, it's sealed. And you just say, I don't know if life would ever come to this. Years ago, you were dreaming. Your life was full of dreams. But the stone of stuff in this nation has rolled in front of that dream chamber in your life. And the dreams are dead inside. You've given up on stuff. And God wants to show you that he can resurrect anything. Maybe relationally there's some things that have rolled in front of you between you and another person and that thing is dead. 
and you like oh, that thing will never come to life again. The way that I and my brother, my even my wife and I, or my family, my parents, my children, my relatives, my friends, whatever, it's dead. It's just no life there. And this morning, maybe we're like Mary that go to this tomb and we don't expect any light from it. But God says, I can bring anything back to life. And so I don't know where you are in your walk as an individual and how much life and how much death you are currently experiencing. But I want to just through scripture speak life into your heart and into your hopes and into your dreams and to your prayers and say don't give up don't just go and live with an expectation that everything is going to remain dead people didn't believe jesus that this could happen many maybe many people won't believe you when you say i trust the lord that this will happen i believe him that this could come about i believe that i can find a job it's dead out there it's just the tomb is, is closed up. It's, not, it's, you know, it's sealed. It's proper. There's guards around it. There's no way for me to find a job in this environment. God says, if I, if I speak life, then I will bring forth life. And won't you trust the Lord again for something supernatural? Jesus brought about that hope for us, I believe. And we see verses 2 to 7, just their response. And, and clearly they were anxious. They did not expect this and about what had taken place. They did actually, they didn't really notice that it was a miracle. They just noticed that something was missing. The body is gone. They're like, he must have risen. He must have been raised from the dead. That was not their immediate response. It's like, oh my goodness, where's the body? What have you done to him? Isn't it possible that we live amongst these things happening at, around us, miracles taking place where we're oblivious to them? Because we're just expecting the negative to happen. That when the positive happens, we're just so blinded. This miracle of God appears in front of us and we like, can't even see it. Because I only notice the gap. I don't notice what he is doing. We only notice what has gone wrong. And we only talk about what's gone wrong, isn't it? We don't, we don't consider, is this something where God is about to, to show us that he's involved in changing worlds around us? The body is gone, but don't just, you know, just assume that the body has just been moved. Is it possible that the body is alive? That Jesus has come back to life? <gasps> is that possible? Look at what John did. It says here in, in verse 8. So now the, John and Peter are there. They outrun each other and they're trying to get in there first or whatever else. And, and it says in verse 5, Peter, he stoops to look in. He saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, this is John stooping in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he, and he saw the linen cloth lying there. And the face cloth, just like Clive had shed, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a nice place by itself. How's that? <laughs> Jesus is just like, let me just fold it up. It wasn't just, you know, the body kind of taken out randomly. Just took it off, folded nicely, put it there and walked out. And then it says, 
Verse 8. Then the other disciple, this is not John, who had reached the tomb first. It's kind of like John writing about himself. Just, just that I was faster or quicker than, than Peter. I could outrun him. Also went in. And listen to what happens to when he goes in. It says, and he saw and believed. What did he believe? What do you think he believed? That Jesus was not dead anymore. He believed something that Jesus told them. So he goes in. So the first, this is, this is incredibly important. So significant. The first person who believed in the resurrected Jesus Christ is John. Because he goes in, he sees, it's just empty, and he believes. And he believes. So, so my question is, God, what would I do if I, if I see your word? If I see you at work, what does that do to my heart? Does it make me anxious? Or do I believe? So we have to. Our ultimate response always should be faith in God. No matter what we see, by the way. This thing of seeing as believing is, is a lie. Because Jesus says, blessed are those that did not see, but yet believed. So this seeing as believing nonsense, I won't use a harsher word. <laughs> nonsense is something that puts this cloud on us. That says, I, I don't know, I'll wait until, until I can see for myself. But Jesus says, I want you to see without seeing and believe. John, beautiful. He goes in there and he sees nothing and he believes. He sees there's a body that's gone and he believes that Jesus is alive. He hadn't seen him yet. And so the story carries on. Verse 11, we see, um, see Mary stoop. Weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And here we see a lot of weeping taking place. And then until verse 14, where it says, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. So again, in her heart, she was not anticipating, expecting to see the risen Christ. Even though she saw him, she still did not really believe that it was him. And I guess this is where we all find ourselves. And then in verse 18, she says this, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples. She had come to a clear understanding when she shouted, Rabboni, Rabboni, which means teacher in verse 16. She says to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Before she saw him, but she didn't know it was him. Now she says, I have indeed seen the Lord. Folks, what are you looking at today? Are we looking at the empty tomb and we still get anxious and we still get worried and there's a lot of empty tombs around us that have carry no life in it because a tomb is not a thing of life that carries life. <laughs> but there is a lot of death around us. And I'm not in any way being um, dishonorable towards people who have passed away. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that aren't bringing forth life. But we can't look at that and determine where things are working or not. We've got to look at our King. We've got to look at Jesus. And we've got to try to see Him through Scripture. And through that, faith will come. 
and hope will come to our lives. I, I, I beg you to look in the right direction. Look and see Jesus. And you know what? One of the simplest ways is, and we will never ever be able to get away from the simple practice as a lifestyle, to look into the scripture and to see Jesus. We look into so many other things and we see no life, or very little life. We're going to look into scripture. We're going to look into him, into a relationship with him and enjoy him. This is what Mary saw. And this is what changed her life. I have seen the Lord. I believe if I fully understand what Jesus, through his resurrection, accomplished for me, then I really start experiencing what true life is. When I see the value of the empty tomb, then I start saying, I have seen life. And life to its fullness. So the resurrection is an incredibly important aspect of our lives. To talk about the empty tomb is, is probably the most important aspect of the life of a believer. But Christianity is based on these two pillars. Based on the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And again, we use this weekend to remind ourselves, but obviously it's something that we've got to live with constantly in our lives. The resurrection of Jesus is the most known and celebrated miracle in the history of the world. There's not a greater miracle that's ever taken place. You think of it. <laughs> There's been many miracles. But the greatest miracle, that it has the greatest effect on the history of the world, is the resurrection of Christ. So again, going back to my question that I presented to you earlier, is like, what do you believe about that tomb? Are you skeptical about it? Like, I don't know. There's some well-known people across the world that well-known in Christian environments that, that doubted and still doubt whether he had risen from the dead. I, I simply just cannot believe that we can not believe that Jesus rose from it because it's the core of our Christian faith. I cannot imagine how you can be a Christian and, and not believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. You read, for instance, and if I can take you there, 1 Corinthians, as we just try to help you understand the importance of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is an incredible chapter, by the way. And if you want to take some time later today to go read through it and, and just, just soak in the truth that is found in this phenomenal chapter, please go and do that. Um, it's, it's the most important chapter probably on the whole resurrection um, and, and a theological explanation of it. But in verses 14, verse 17 says, Paul, he writes the following, he says, and if Christ, this is 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. All right? This is the crux of the matter. Without, obviously without the, the death of Jesus, there could have not been a resurrection. The death had to come first. 
But unless we have the resurrection, we have nothing, folks. We have nothing. Then I'm just standing up here wasting my time. Then you believing, you're wasting your time. And I'm kind of like, sorry guys, we just want to admit that as a church, we've been wasting your time. Because we really don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Sorry to say so, but all these years, <laughs> we've actually just, we've been conning you and just keeping you busy and praise the Lord for your money. It's helped us to buy some chairs and it's been great. Wonderful, but we're going to actually close shop now and go home because our preaching and our faith has been in vain. That's what scripture says. Listen to what it says further. For we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. Whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So he's like, actually, we've been not only lying to you, but we've been misrepresenting God if we believe, if we say that there's no resurrection of, of Christ. Boy, oh boy. And by the way, we would then be saying to all those, Paul included, that was martyred for their faith. Because why were they martyred? They believed confessed, preached the resurrection of Jesus emphatically, undeniably. They stood in front of people and said, this is what we believe and we'll be prepared to die for this. Oh, by the way, they wasted their lives too. So if there was no resurrection, surely why would guys go so extreme and say, well, be prepared to give up everything for his name's sake. Verse 16 says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So that's why, how can we come up with some sort of a philosophical explanation of the resurrection? And say, well, no, he wasn't really dead. And maybe the disciples were hallucinating. Those are all the reasons that people give why they believe there couldn't have been a resurrection. And Jesus' body was just stolen. It was never to be found again. And, and by the way, the, his appearance to up to 500 at one moment and, and all the disciples and, and all the other people they were just all hallucinating at the same time. It's just, they had this amazing artist that just, look at me, what you're going to see now looks like Jesus, but it's not really him, all this rubbish. Hey? And so that's what people have come to believe, to kind of try to find a reason why that can't, couldn't have happened. This is the most important thing about our faith. Then if you don't have a conviction that I believe in this, and therefore my life is a proof of that, then you're actually living a lie. Scripture says, our faith is futile and we're still in sin. Renowned theologian Tim Keller from the States, he writes this beautiful thing about the resurrection. I want to put it up here. He says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. You've got to think through that a bit. And so everything, everything hinges on 
whether you believe that he rose from the dead or not. Not just, he was a great guy. Love this stuff. Such a kind man, full of love. <laughs> he was amazing. Just love reading his stories. But when it comes to the resurrection, it's like, <laughs> time out, buddy. That just doesn't make sense. Come on now. How in the world could that have been possible? You and I need to understand that this is the crux of the matter. Our faith and freedom from sin is undoubtedly dependent on our belief about the resurrection of Jesus. And so we, we do not want to impose something into force it into your head and let it come into your heart. You've got to come to a conviction if you have not reached that place yet, that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. And then that belief, that conviction needs to impact your way you live your life. Otherwise, we're just like a fallacy again. It's like, oh, it's a nice thing to believe. But the corresponding application is not taking place. So let me just share with you some empty tomb victories. Can I? Just, just shortly. And these are some of them. Just some empty tomb victories that, that are made available for us as believers today. That that's why these are the things that impact our lives. That, that then impact us in such a way that I just live differently. I just can't. Man, I can't just, can't just sing and not. Get involved in what Jesus has done for me. These are the realities. These are the truths that, that impact my life. And the first one is that the empty tomb actually, it vindicated Jesus. It vindicated him. Or it, it proves without a doubt that Jesus is who he said he is and, and does what he said he would do. And so John 2, we're going to read that again from, well not again, we're going to just go back to John Again, and I want to just show you this. This is so important because your belief about Jesus is 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 integral part of your life. And if you're saying, "Well, I, my faith in Him is found," I love what He did, but I don't know about this resurrection thing. The resurrection proved to us that Jesus is what He said He is. And so, at verse 18 of John 2, it says, So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, <laughs> Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Yeah, then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years, my friend. I can just imagine the sarcasm and the vindictiveness in it, and says, To build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. Obviously, Jesus. It says in verse 21. But he was speaking about the temple of his body, his life. When therefore he was raised from the dead, he disciples, this is a beautiful thing. Now we're jumping to John 20. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So now, oh yes, oh yes, I remember. So what you had said there proves that you are God. So when you believe and express your faith in Jesus, your faith is proven, is substantiated by what Jesus had done. He had proved that he is God. So when we go through our rough times today, and you put your faith in Jesus, you put your faith in God, and your faith has substance. Because he 
is. But he said, he is. And he did do what he said he would do. The second thing about these victories that come from the empty tomb is that it confirmed that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for sin to bring us into right standing and right relationship with the Father. Romans 4 verse 25, we need to read this and we need to read these things slow. So that it grip our hearts. It says here, and we can't go through everything. It's actually, again, such a beautiful portion. And, and you know, we, we do an injustice in a sense to not read the full portion, but for lack of time. We read verse 25. It says, who has delivered up? Who was delivered up for our, trans- to our trespasses and raised for our justification? So he died because of our sins. And God raised him up for our justification. Big word. Massive meaning. It's a legal term in a sense where it says, you now can appear in front of the judge, God, being set free from the very case that was held against you because you're a sinner. You can now come before him justified. Somebody had took the penalty of my sin on my behalf and I can stand in front of the Father. I can be in right relationship with my Father because He did it for me. And He overcame sin by not just dying, but being raised. The overcoming was, was, was incredibly confirmed through Him being raised from the dead. And that brings you and me into a right relationship with God the Father. Not because of anything I've done. There's no substitute for the resurrection. There's nothing that can bring us in right standing. Our justification to say, I am justified before the Father. I can appear before Him without guilt on me. That guilt He took. So that we can come to the Father justified, just as if I'd never sinned. We often use the words for that. Just as if I'd never sinned, I can appear in front of him because I'm justified by what Jesus had done for me. He overcame sin. It says he was raised for our justification. The third thing says that in Acts 2, that the victory that the empty two came brought about is that it meant that death is defeated. Death was defeated. Let's read that together. So when we consider our lives and we consider the, the outcome of our lives as believers, as those who have been justified by Jesus, we know that we don't live with fear of death. We sang the song, Oh death, where is your sting? Hey? There's no more sting in death because we know that if we were to physically die, we do not, it doesn't end there. When Jesus was taken to the tomb, people thought this is the end. When you and I are taken to our tomb, that's not the end. It's not the end. In Acts 2, it says, verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and full knowledge of God. You crucified Peter speaking to the people, and you killed him by the hands of lawless men. But listen to verse 24. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. 
so the, the strings and, and the cords of death could not hold him back. He was raised on the third day, which means for you and me that we also get raised from, from death. And it's firstly a spiritual death, where without Christ we are dead. And so this morning, if you are not in relationship with Jesus, if you've not been aware of what Jesus has done for you on the cross and accepted that gift and believed in him, as Romans says, believe that Christ died and was raised for your sins, then, my friend, you're still spiritually dead. You're still, you're still covered with, with this stuff. And you're still strung by these cords of death. But faith in Christ sets us free from that. The fourth thing that we find as a victory from the empty tomb is that it profoundly brings life to our lives. It raises us up to live radical lives for him. And two beautiful portions as we come to a slow, slow end this morning is in Romans 6. Listen to this. It's a beautiful portion. It's again, again, confirming for us what, what took place through the, the empty tomb. It says in verse 6, no, verse 5 of chapter 6 of Romans, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Say with me, nothing. So the old body of sin has been brought to nothing because of what Christ did for us. It says, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he loves, he lives to God. So you also, say with me also, that includes you and me now. You also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what the empty tomb has brought about for you and me. That we're alive unto God and we're dead to sin. So this thing of Christians walking around and thinking, oh, I just mustn't sin, oh, I mustn't sin. And oh, you know what, actually, let me just put myself in a little room and that I can't see, that I can't hear, that I can't feel, that I can't taste any sin and evil. That's my solution to remain holy. Now, you know what you need to understand? There are empty tomb victories that you and I need to tap into and understand what the resurrection has brought about for us. One of the most powerful things that the resurrection has done is that it brought about a deathness in me to sin and in a being alive unto God. So you are more able, listen to this, you are more able to live righteously than to sin. All of you. And this rubbish that we believe that... This is all the sins that I've committed today. God, what are they again? Please just forgive me for all my sins. And if you have sinned, ask God to forgive and he will repent of it and he will forgive you. That's very clear. 1 John 1 verse 9. But if you just assume that because you were alive, that you have sinned, you're living in the tomb. You've not walked out of it yet. You've not walked out with the resurrection power of Jesus real upon your life. 
And you're thinking that, I'm just so bad, I'll just sin all the time. No, 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 you are more able, not because we are good in any way, but he had done this for us. What he had accomplished on the cross and what he had walked out from enables you to walk away from sin. So you are more able, my friend, to live righteously and to live holy and to please the Father than to displease him. Romans 8, verse 10 to 14, says the following. And it's it's very much in line with this radical life that we can live because of the incredible thing of him being raised from the dead and had that effect on me. In verse 10, it says in Romans 8, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, this body will fall away. Today, it's still alive and it can do a few things. But eventually, this body was going to fall into decay. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the spirit in me brings life. All right? If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which he does, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. So you are not living without hope. You have the Spirit of God within you that brings life to you, that enables you to live a radical life and confess who Jesus is. And in the midst of all sorts of darkness and turmoil and trouble around us, we can live with hope. We have destiny. We have direction in our lives. This is the effect of the resurrection on our lives. Radically changed lives. People who have laid down their lives as ultimate proof of their complete confidence in the truth of their message. That's why we've got to know this truth so that we can respond to it. Two more verses. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 5 talks about the fact that the resurrection gives us living hope. And Philippians 3 verse 20 to 21 says that the the resurrection gives us hope of a resurrected body to ourselves. That one day your body will also be resurrected. And what God has promised for us. So the empty tomb comes with Huge benefits. (laughs) The call that you need to make is, we find in Scripture that the tomb is empty. And Jesus calls on us to live outside of the tomb with him. Where are you living your life? Are you living it in the reality and the revelation of an empty tomb? If you're still stuck there, please speak. Please come and talk to somebody. Please find out how you can get help to get out of a tomb lifestyle. Or you're stuck in something that has no life. And maybe some of us need to not just get born again, but some of us need to have our thoughts become born again. And have our thoughts change. Because we think like, We got saved, but we think like I'm still in the tomb. I have nothing to give, and you live without hope. If you believe in the resurrection, then please apply the truth of the resurrection to your life. Would you? Start living within the fullness and the truth of what it means that Jesus came. Not to die only, 
but to be raised. And so we're going to conclude our time together this morning to celebrate what he did for us. That not only did he die, but not only are we called to die to ourselves, but also there's this incredible, beautiful truth that Jesus was raised on the third day. And that we too can be raised up out of our sinful state. That's a beautiful picture of baptism, by the way. That we die to ourselves and we are raised into a newness of life. And a good moment to challenge you towards obedience in baptism. If you haven't been baptized yet and you believe these things, Jesus says, if you believe them, then do them. And one of the things we do is to get baptized, to publicly confess, this is how I have lived my life in sin, but I thank God that I'm raised to life again. And baptism is not a tick-the-box kind of thing where you get better with God. It's just I obey Him, therefore I get baptized. I see the reality of it. So please speak to us if you want to.